In the fertile lands of Kaveri Delta, the beautiful city of Thanjavur flourished ever since the Cholas took power. Tamil Nadu, its neighbouring lands in India and overseas were being administered and developed by the mighty temple-building polities of the Chola Empire. And today we will be talking about one such polity which is Thanjavur. Welcome to Indian Art History by MASH Podcast. A warm hello from your host Ayushi. was the land of queens who bore the title of Sembian Mahadevi. Sembian Mahadevi was a title that many people sort of related with opulence and power and philanthropy and city development. Sembian Mahadevi was a Chola queen who commissioned several temples and with temples came the icons and sculptures of the deities. The sculptors who fashioned the sculptures of deities were not just skilled metallurgists but also adept in the religious canons that governed the standards of sculpture making. They were expected to memorize all the Talamana canon of measurements and proportions. Talaman or Talamana is a traditional system of Indian iconometry which is based on the Talamana Shastras. It uses certain measurements and proportions in creating temple icons and images. So the sculptors were expected to have the canons memorized on their fingertips and then call on the deity in their minds while meditating and chanting dhyana shlokas of Gita. Through this invocation, they would visualize the details and qualities of the deity. So these images that they created out of the Talamana canon uh, were portable and were used in daily and weekly rituals and especially during festivals. Along with bronze and brass statues of deities, the images of the royalty were also in circulation. Interestingly, they also used a similar canon to build the images of royalty. A particular female bronze sculpture is often confused when it comes to her identity. Some say she is Goddess Parvati, while some scholars confirm her as Sembian Mahadevi herself. This particular image is currently at the Freo Gallery of Art. This identity confusion simply goes on to tell us that in the past, the portraiture of the divine and that of the royal were often made in each other's light, you know, often they would take references from each other. Among the murtis or sculptures that were gifted by the royalty to the temples often included many of the spiritual deities and some of the royal figures. So, Raja Raja Chola's grandmother, Sembiar Mahadevi, was actually a patron of the sacred arts. She would give generous gifts of land and cash for temple building and all. Basically, Sembian had it all and gave away some of it to declare her power as the royal philanthropist. She even spent a lot on historic documentation through inscriptions at the temple sites, which of course is rare in India of all ages, including the India of today. And it sort of sets her apart. For her tremendous achievements, it is possible that her family commissioned an image of hers sculpted in the style of Goddess Parvati or vice versa. Goddess Parvati reminds me of her consort Shiva, 
the creator and the destroyer apparent. The Cholas were extensively Shaivites. They take a lot of inspiration from the Pallava traditions of temple building and sculpture making. The Pallavas were Vaishnavite practitioners majorly, but gave a lot of space for other Hindu schisms to sort of flourish. The earliest mentions of Cholas are made by some Ashokan texts, and the last Pallavas are known to have surrendered to Raja Aditya Chola in 897. Raja Raja Chola expanded the empire over South India and Sri Lanka, and he crushed any power that existed in South of India. He came as far as the Ganga banks in Bengal. Rajendra Chola sort of spread the kingdom further to Sri Lanka and Sumatra and Java through his naval expertise. In 1010 AD, Raja Raja took on the ambitious project of building Raja Rajeshwara Temple in Thandravur. It can be translated as the Temple of Victory or the Temple of the King of Raja Raja himself, that is, Lord Shiva. And by now, you all can guess who was enshrined here, Lord Shiva. This temple is 190 feet high and it is enclosed within 790 and 396 feet. Garbhagriha is the main chamber within the temple space which holds the main shrine. At the exact center of the square Garbhagriha is the Vimana meaning the Linga, the phallic symbol that represents Shiva. It is a monumental tower that rises far above, almost reaching 190 feet in height. Inside the Garbhagriha, it holds a circumambulatory passage, in simple words, the Pradakshina path. Pradakshina is a circumambulatory activity that all Hindus still practice when they visit a temple. They go around the main shrine of the deity in circles and it is considered an act of meditation in devotion to the deity. On the walls of the Pradakshina path of Raja Rajeshwara temple, exquisite murals are painted. The artists explored the Shaivite themes through a variety of pictorial spaces, dimensions and style. Shaivite poet saints also find themselves in the art of Cholas. Here again, we see an infusion of the divine, the royal and the spiritual into the paintings. Since these were also a part of Chola's religious art, meant to be consumed by the local people, they helped in propagating the local royal narrative. The representation of these upper classes of society, the royals and the saints always used features that described valor in a similar fashion as say how the gods would be featured and so they declared their power through narrative art. So, the murals use both Raja Raja's family and Shiva's mythological family as their subjects. This infusion is also one of the reasons why it becomes difficult for us to sometimes differentiate between the idols of the historic Chola figures from those of gods themselves. Sambyan Mahadevi, who was Raja Raja's grandmother, being the most popular example. Coming back to the Raja Rajeshwara temple of Thanjavur, Raja Raja installed a gold pot finial at the peak of the temple. There were about 50 musicians who would regularly sing and recite the Tevaram. Tevaram were epic narratives of the Puranic heroes and the adventures of the Shaiva poet saints. Through Raja Raja's patronage, the discourse of dance developed. The inscriptions found at Raja Rajeshwara temple talk about dancers quite keenly. Uh, first of all, they form the epigraphical evidence of the details of each dancer. 
such as her name, the place of her origin, place of her training, and her address. Most of the dancers were known as Talicheri Pendugal. Please forgive me for my bad pronunciation. The troupe consisted of the dancers, dance masters, vocalists, musicians, drummers, actors, and supervisors. The dance ritual sort of enmeshed with the religious rituals, and man, it was hard to belong to this troupe of dancers. But you know, also kind of rewarding. These cultural positions of power were mostly hereditary. It passed on from mother to daughter. The daughter had to take over the dance practice of the mother after her death or in her absence. All the dancers at higher posts were entitled to their share of land. The murals and sculptures all show several dance postures from Bharatnatyam. It was considered prestigious to belong to the troupe of Shiva. So you see, all aspects of Chola culture revolved around Shiva. Iconography of Shiva at Raja Rajeshwara Temple is quite amazing and it sort of adds to the history of the dynamic Shaivite cult in the subcontinent. There are three large images of Shiva that beautify the outer walls of Pradakshina path of the Garbhagriha. And along with the mighty Shiva iconography, there are a number of niches for many other smaller sculptures. The sculpture of Ardhanarishwara, Lord Shiva and Parvati's avatar of half man and half woman is one of them. There are also the 34 images of Tripura Taka which entails Shiva as the destroyer of the demon of the three cities. And finally there is the sculpture of the cosmic dance of Natraj. Natraj has been a popular motif since the Pallavas and during the Cholas they perfected the Natraj iconography. The cosmic dance of Shiva is set to represent the creation of the cosmos, its preservation, its destruction, illusion and salvation. You're listening to Indian Art History by Marsh Podcast and I am your host Ayushi. This show was produced by Soumya Parashar. Thank you so much for listening.